When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We know the Cowboys are making the playoffs, but after losing to the Philadelphia Eagles, can they still win the division? Tonight, we'll try to come up with a very honest answer. So let's get to it. Here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me as we get ready to talk some Cowboys football on this Tuesday night. Hope that you guys are having a good one. Let me show you the script of the night. Uh, we'll be talking about the playoff picture in several ways. We're going to be talking about the playoff odds. We're going to be talking about the reality of the Cowboys' prospects at potentially stealing away the NFC East for the Philadelphia Eagles to keep a streak alive. That's been alive since 2004, where no NFC team has won the division back-to-back. -back. The Eagles are in a good position to do so. Let's face it, and we'll talk about why that is. Uh, we're going to talk about the good that it came from the loss to the Eagles, because there were some positive notes that we just cannot ignore at this moment before we turn the page and we move on to Week 10 and the New York Giants. We're going to talk about Mark Tyvis Bryant, which was like a change-up on today's news cycle. Uh, we knew that the Cowboys were working him out, but I was not expecting to talk about him on tonight's show. That happened quickly. Uh, Martavis Bryant is now a Dallas Cowboy. And then <clears throat> we'll close out the show with the one cool thing of the week, as we do uh, every Tuesday. Going to keep this one around like 30 minutes, but we're going to be uh, talking about as much as we can. Uh, on tonight's show shout out to everyone in the chat in the meantime we've got joey bella we've got toxic i've missed you toxic in the chat he says i've been sick the last two nights and in bed early glad to watch some mo shout out to toxic i thought maybe you were taking some time off after that uh, philadelphia eagles loss but i'm glad you were here tonight uh, shout out to katharina who is following us to youtube again house what is up, Tony? We've got Bruce. We've got Mark. Shout out to everyone who is joining the show tonight. House Nelson as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the Cowboys playoff picture right now. And there is no better way to start this off than wondering for a moment. You know, if the playoffs ended today, you know, the Cowboys might have lost to the Eagles. But if the playoffs ended today, if the season, excuse me, ended today, who would we face? In the postseason, I mean, surely it's not the Eagles, so it's not going to be a very difficult matchup. Well, if the season did end on Tuesday, the Cowboys would face the San Francisco 49ers because as of right now, 
Dallas is actually not the five seed. It is the sixth seed in the NFC. The Seattle Seahawks currently are the top wild card of the conference. So just right off the bat, you kind of understand that, hey, the rest of the season is pretty important for the Cowboys, even if the NFC East is not in the conversation anymore. Like you cannot have the Seahawks, who I will just say it, are not as good as the Cowboys, period. Not having that up for debate, honestly. Uh, the Seahawks are not as good as the Cowboys, man. Uh, that's just the reality of the situation. We might have wanted the Cowboys to take the next step, but man, they should be better than the Seahawks. And hopefully we don't eat those words when the time comes to face them in week 13. But I do believe that is the reality of things. Uh, so probably the Cowboys are going to end up as a number five seed. That would be my bet personally, which mean, which would mean, excuse me, once again, facing whoever wins the NFC South. Last year, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, it's looking like it might be the New Orleans Saints, but it's a closed division, so you never know. Uh, it's not going to be the Panthers, though. I think that very much is clear. But, you know, I know I know we're kind of getting in the vibe of starting to talk a little bit more about the playoff picture because we're past the midseason mark, which I thought, hey, it's a good idea to maybe talk a little bit about where the Cowboys stand, especially because forget about, you know, who are you going to face, etc. Let's talk about the NFC East. Again, you're probably, the conference standings are going to move a lot. You know, the Cowboys might end up overtaking the Seahawks spot. The Niners might end up overtaking the Lions spot. There's a lot that's about to go down in the, in the world of the NFC. That being said, though, let me know in the chat. From 0 to 100, how surprised would you be to see the Cowboys go ahead and win the NFC East by the time the season is over? The Eagles are 8-1. and one, The Cowboys are 5-3. and three, And one of the Eagles' wins are against the Dallas Cowboys. One of the losses for the Cowboys is against the Eagles. So you know that has a very big weight on how things will shake out when everything is said and done. Now, I've seen some people be very confident, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys say in the chat. But there is one reason why I just, I'm going to say it now. I wouldn't be as confident in, in betting that the Cowboys win the NFC East. I think they can beat the Eagles when the time comes to face them in Week 14 at Dallas in Arlington. Uh, but there's one problem that the Cowboys are facing that cannot go unnoticed, in my opinion. Let's see what you guys have to say here. Nikki says, not surprised. The Eagles can easily lose the next four games. Now, this is where the confidence for many people comes from. And I can see where it does come from. And I can understand it up to a point. But I've got some thoughts on it that we we're about to dive into. Uh, Joey Bella says that the Cowboys are going to get the number one seed. And that is the power right now of winning the division. It might make the difference between a wild card spot, going on the road in the wild card round, or resting in the wild card round and, and holding on until the divisional round comes around. Uh, James says six for him from zero to 100. Clayton says, what did do, Mo? Shout out to you. Catherine says, I say 50-50. Let's see here. Mark Aaron says, I can see Dallas and feel it being tied record-wise when we played them again here in Arlington. Boom. 
Let's get into this conversation. I'm going to show you a picture that might not be very encouraging, but it's, in my opinion, kind of like the, the reality of things. I'm just going to say right now, DVOA, the statistic that Aaron Chats put together originally for Football Outsiders, now he's on, oh man, I forgot the, the name of the website, but it's a fantasy football first type website, uh, but you can see the DVOA numbers in there. Every week, he publishes the playoff odds, which are usually very accurate, to be honest. Now, in those playoff odds, he lists how likely are you to make it to the postseason, how likely are you to win the division, how likely are you to get to the you know wildcard round, divisional round, all of that stuff, uh, even winning the Super Bowl. And he has the Eagles at an 85% rate of likelihood of winning the NFC East with the Cowboys coming in at 15%. I'm rounding the numbers, but you get what I mean. Uh, the Eagles are a very heavy favorite. And I was wondering why, because I agree with you. The Eagles are going to have the Chiefs. They're going to have the Bills. They're going to have the 49ers, the Cowboys, and then the Seahawks next. Those are their next five rivals. That's a murderer's row for sure. The problem is... The Cowboys kind of have one of their own, too. And I think that's what we are ignoring. Many of us are. Week 10 to 15, those are the Eagles' rivals, the ones that we just mentioned. And by the way, three of those five games are on the road. They travel to Kansas City, then they host the Bills and the Niners, and then they've got back-to-back road games versus the Cowboys and versus the Seahawks. The moment that the Cowboys... Maybe one week before, one week before the Cowboys face the Eagles, their own murderer's row starts. And uh, shout out to Cowboys stats and graphics for that term. But the Cowboys get the Seahawks at home, Eagles at home. Then you get a couple of road games versus AFC. Man, I don't know if I should call them juggernauts at this point because I don't think any of those two teams are one of the top three favorites maybe in the AFC. But you've got the Bills and the Dolphins. There are no easy rivals. You know, Buffalo might be kind of like a weather game where you're also worried about potential cold, potential snow, whatever. Uh, Dolphins, the, the weather in Miami at this time of the year or at that time of the year might not be a big issue. And then you get the Lions at home, which are no walk in the park at all. All I'm saying is what you need to win the division probably is to straight up win more games than the Eagles. Now, that might sound very silly, but what I mean is the Cowboys would have a very tough time, in my opinion, in winning a tiebreaker with the Eagles. Because let me give you some numbers here. The Cowboys are one-on-one versus division opponents. That's not a big deal. They haven't played a whole lot of people. It, it's all. It's still all about the Eagles, but you cannot drop any other game. You cannot drop a game against the Giants. And you cannot drop any of the two games that you have left against the Commanders. Because to have a tie in the division, you likely need to go 5-1. and one. So you, you likely cannot lose any other divisional game at this point. Now, rivals in common is another tiebreaker for the division. The Cowboys might have some similar numbers to the Eagles in this aspect. But I find it difficult to believe that the Eagles, for example, will lose to the Arizona Cardinals. That seems unlikely. You know, anything can happen in the NFL any given Sunday, right? 
But chances are, if the Cowboys play the Cardinals again, they're winning that game. It was just an odd situation to be in. So having that tiebreaker in the common area is going to be tough as well. Now, in the division, it becomes even tougher because the three losses that you have as a team are in the conference and the Eagles are, you know, 6-0 and against conference rivals. Their lone loss happened against the New York Jets. So what I'm saying is the Eagles probably need to walk into that game. I agree with what Mark Aaron said. They, they need to be, you know, tied with the Cowboys, which means losing two of the three ne- of their next three games. And I'm not sure that's as easy as it sounds like, but it might happen. Like, I agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and make them a favorite against the Buffalo Bills because the Bills are struggling in many areas. And I think that the Eagles are like a more well-oiled machine. The Bills are talking about potentially firing their OC. That's what the media in Buffalo is talking about right now. The Niners have struggled. Uh, You know, they've dropped uh, three in a row. So they might win that one too. Who knows? It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. But hey, we'll see. The division is open still. But even if the Eagles go ahead and they lose two out of the next three before the Cowboys rematch, the Cowboys are going to have to be perfect in all of those games. And I don't know how confident I am in predicting a 5-0 and in those five weeks that we're seeing on the screen right now. I wouldn't be entirely confident. I wouldn't pick a 5-0. and I don't think I will when the time comes. But we'll see what happens, man. The Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NFL in terms of how they can match up against other teams. So I do agree, like, hey, you know, it could happen. I, I see why we think it could happen, but I'm also thinking just objectively, it might be tough for the Eagles to get into week, you know, week 14 with a record that is the same as the Cowboys, and then the Cowboys be perfect across those five weeks. And, you know, right now, the confidence for Cowboys fans, and I get it, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to, like, paint the picture of what's ahead of the Cowboys and how they pretty much need to be perfect while also rooting against the Eagles. Uh, But the hope right now for Cowboys Nation is high because of the next five games for Philly. All I'm saying is Dallas has its own five-game stretch where things could go south. And I think it matters when you look at, you know, how often a team that is playing at home through the playoffs, how often they have success, and how often a wild card that needs to go on the road starting right away has success. Uh, That being said, though, that being said, The Cowboys can still be a team that wins in the playoffs, in my opinion, by going on the road. And we saw the biggest reason why on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Dak Prescott balled out on the road. And if we kind of turn the page a little bit here and we get into, you know, talking about what was the good from that Philly game, I'm going to open it up to the chat and I'm going to ask you, what is the best thing that we saw in the loss to the Eagles. We're going to try to maybe, you know, tweak our coverage of that game a little bit. We've talked about what went wrong for two consecutive nights. I would like to talk about some of the good stuff that we saw against Philly and that we've been seeing throughout the season. Uh, So I'm going to open it up to the chat right now, and I'm going to ask you, 
What was the best thing that we saw in the Cowboys' loss to the Philadelphia Eagles? Now, I started us off with the Dak Prescott comment. I think it's true, man. Last night, we talked about the play where he misses Jake Ferguson on the 4th and eight, where Jake Ferguson is completely wide open over the middle. Dak needs to put the football in there. There's no excuse for not doing it. However, the other 99% of the performance from him was pretty much close to perfect, man. He had an, an outstanding night. Even m- many of the sacks that we saw in the game were not on him, in my opinion, which is different to other performances that we've seen from Dak. But we saw Dak extend plays, scramble, find CD Lamp, find Jake Ferguson. And I'm sure we'll talk about Jake, man, who had a fantastic day. Uh, but Jerry Jones says a lot of wild stuff. And, and most of the time that Jerry speaks, we kind of disagree with him in several areas. He dropped a quote on 105.3 The Fam this week that I really liked. And I thought it was true, man. With Dak playing at this level, it's a team you cannot rule out of the postseason. Like of going on a deep run. Now, it's funny because Dak haters see it the opposite way. Dak haters will say, Dak will never take us to the Super Bowl. Dak will never this, will never be this type of quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Man, the Cowboys can get to where they need to get because of Dak Prescott in, in a big, big way. And I do believe that is true, especially with you having to win in the, in the, on the road. Now, many people will point to the 49ers games. And that is more than fair. What I will say is it's a league of matchups. And honestly, even in the postseason where we've seen Dak struggle is against San Francisco. People like to say that Dak sucks every time that he plays in the postseason, but he hasn't sucked against many of the other teams. He has sucked specifically against the Niners. And I will not act like he hasn't, but you know we've seen him go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers when he was a rookie. We've seen him put together some solid performances against the Seahawks back in 2018, 2019. We saw him toast the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense last January. So he can play in January, but I will admit the Niners matchup is not favorable at all. And it is because of a lot of reasons. But if they kind of get them again in the postseason, I'm not ruling them out automatically. I might not be picking them, but I'm not ruling them out automatically just because it's the Niners. I think this Cowboys team can win in the road when they are on the playoffs. Now, let's see what you guys have to say about that Philly game. Let's talk about the good stuff right here. Let's see. Toxic says Jake Ferguson. Man, can we talk about Jake for a second? Because I think that Jake has really, really made a statement here as of late. I was among those that were like, oh boy, I'm not sure if the Cowboys should have, you know, moved on from Dalton Schultz that quickly early in the year when we were seeing Jake drop two passes and kind of we were in this pace where we were like, are we going to see inconsistency from the tight ends all season long? And Schoonmaker has been bad this year. Like even if he's a rookie and everything, three catches, One of them was a very negative catch because he didn't run that route properly. Kind of discussed it last night. But should have been a touchdown if he ran that route correctly. But hey, we're not, we're, again, we're going to focus on the positive. So let's talk about Jake here. Jake has been balls out. Jake has 
really played at a level where you can start thinking of him as the number two guy behind C.D. Lamb. Now, that might have been the case from a few weeks back, not because of week nine, but I think we can start getting into these games and start talking about, all right, who does C.D. Lamb match up well against, but also how can the Cowboys start moving around Jake Ferguson and you know have him route, uh, run several types of routes in order for him to be a matchup problem in these games? Because once again, he was exactly that. There was one play which was kind of jutted down here on my notebook. Let me see if I can find it very quickly. Uh, it was early in the game, a third and two. And Dak Prescott is forced to scramble in that play because of the pressure. And Ferguson is running sort of like this deep route. And he is just fighting through contact. They call a holding on the Eagles against Jake Ferguson. Just, you know, works back to the football, makes the catch. He's been impressive, man. Jake has really been impressive. And I wasn't happy with him at first because I was worried about the inconsistencies early in the season. There was a point where, you know, all of that talk was shut down. Because if you look at his performances game by game, and I'm going to pull up his pro football reference page here in just a moment. Uh, but, you know, he was he, he was targeted seven times in week one and caught only two passes. And then he went four for three. And then he went seven for five. Since then, Jake has been seven for seven, three for three. Not ideal, but, you know, Chargers was one for one. And then four for four versus the Rams, seven for 10 uh, in uh, the last Philly Eagles game, the Philadelphia Eagles game. So I think we can see more of Jake Ferguson. I think he's one of the guys that you want him to, you know, be a focus point. And some people asked, uh, I don't know who it was because I didn't really was able to watch, but somebody asked Mike McCarthy about, you know, Brandon Cook's not getting the football a whole lot. And Mike McCarthy was a little bit incredulous at the question. He was like, man, we just saw Dak throw for 374 yards. And you're asking me about a guy not getting touches. You know, it's football. And I'll say this, I'm not going to complain about the Brandon Cook's touches because I was complaining about CeeDee Lamb not getting enough. So if they're feeding... CD Lamb, 16 targets in a game. I'm not going to say anything about one of the other wide receivers not getting enough targets, right? Because Dak's only going to throw a certain amount of plays. But if you start getting into this rhythm where 10 plus targets are going to CD Lamb and 8 plus targets are going to Jake Ferguson, good things are going to happen because these two guys are being matchup nightmares for opposing defenses. And I think that Dak has clearly shown some very deep chemistry with both of these guys. So I'm excited about that moving forward. I cannot wait to see uh, more of it. Other good stuff that we saw versus the Cowboys, versus the Eagles. Let's see what you guys have to say. Let's see here. Mark Aaron says that Juan J. Thomas needs to play. He's kind of like the special teams ace. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about what to make out of the safety position, I think that I need to watch more defensive tape before I give you a, a strong opinion there. Uh, but I know that some people are not very happy with the safeties. Let's see here. Justin says, I've been saying for two months, keep Micah at linebacker, watch the tape. When he's not on the line and he roams, the Lions roam. You know, I'm going to keep saying it, man. Give me Micah the pass rusher. 
If you want to put him at linebacker and then walk him up to the line of scrimmage, so be it. But man, Micah has the second highest pass rush win rate in the NFL, despite being the second highest, nor the highest, excuse me, uh, double teamed player in the league. It's him and Miles Garrett who are in this weird space where they're the leaders in being double teamed and the leaders in winning in pass rush. And then there is nobody else close to them. You know, Max Crosby has had a lot of pressures and a lot of sacks. He doesn't get double teamed at the same rate that Parsons is. Same for TJ Watt. So I just don't want Micah doing stuff that is not rushing the passer because that's what he's best at. Uh, maybe in some situations, play him at linebacker, but let that be a very limited amount of his snaps because there is no better value that you're going to get out of Micah than him rushing the passer. And he's doing it at such an insane, insane level, man. He, he He's actually on my list among the good stuff from the Philly game. Give me Micah still being Micah. Some people might not appreciate it when the game doesn't go the Cowboys way, but Micah is playing at such a high level even still. Let's see here. Um, guys that need to be replaced soon, says Mark Aaron. I'm not going to get too deep into this play into this comment because we're actually going to be talking about it very soon here on primetime. But Armstrong, I agree with. I think it's time for Sam Williams a little bit. I'm going to say Gallup too, and then we're going to talk uh, more about that later. Let's see here. I'd rather feature Jake than Cooks. I agree with this. Toxic. Pretty much the point I'm trying to make. I think you put it perfectly. Again, if you're giving you know 10-plus targets to CD and 8-plus targets to Jake, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be complaining here on primetime. Ladies and gentlemen, another thing that I thought was pretty impressive and pretty promising on the Cowboys' loss to the Eagles is, drum rolls, please, Tyron Smith looking like an absolute Hall of Famer at left tackle, particularly in pass protection. Man, did he dominate in that game. I don't have the, let me see if I can find it very quickly, like the numbers for his game. But man, he was on another level. Uh, I actually have them right here. So he had he had uh, 57 pass blocking snaps, zero pressures against quality edge rushers here. Tyron Smith, you know, I know. Durability is an issue. Availability is an issue. And I know about the cliche, you know, the best abilities, availability, that matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is you kind of see the reasoning. After all, you do see the reasoning on what the Cowboys were trying to do when they decided, you know what? Tyler is our left guard and Tyron is our left tackle because while he can play, it is worth it if he doesn't play 17 games this year. And we kind of saw why on Sunday, man. Even after missing a week of action, Tyron Smith was in there playing at an elite, again, Hall of Fame caliber versus the best or one of the best defensive fronts in football. And Mike McCarthy talked about it in the press conference. He said that's the best Tyron Smith that he's seen in a while. We couldn't agree more. Tyron Smith keeps playing at this level, man, and this is one of the best pass pro offensive lines in the league. Now, the running game is an entirely different story, uh, and we can get to that in another show, 
Not necessarily because of Tyron, which I thought looked very well too in, in run protection, but run blocking. But I'm super excited about Tyron and where he's at. And I know that at any moment he can be ripped away from us because that's the way it's been in his career. But for the for in the meantime, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. Toxic says, Mo, do not fall for this Tyrant Smith Mirage. We know he's great, but that's not the issue. I understand. And I think it's fair what you're saying, Toxic. But hey, if he can be around for the playoffs, I'm taking it. He cannot he he can he cannot play from now until the on, until the postseason. I don't care. Give me Tyrant for the big games, like the Cowboys did in this case. And the Cowboys are going to be fine from a pass pro stuff. Uh, from a pass pro perspective, excuse me. On the left side, at least. Because, man, Terrence Steele was not great on, on Sunday. We talked about that already last night. Uh, in case you want to see a deeper discussion about it. But 12 pressures allowed. A lot of inside moves allowed. Just a bad, bad game from Terrence Steele. Uh, let's, ladies and gentlemen... See some more of your comments here very quickly. I think somebody mentioned Brandon Aubrey, who had another uh, big moment on Sunday, breaking the record as the best kicker to ever start in the NFL, like his career. Let's see here. Tommy says that doesn't mean that he didn't ball out on Sunday. Nothing wrong with saying that he had a great game. And I agree with all that. Yeah. Justin says Tyron Smith is still hurt. It's obvious. Hey, he might be still hurt, and, and it's going to be something that it's going to be lingering throughout the year. But as long as he can play, it's okay. House Nelson says that Tush Push is OP. Take it away, and they are as average as every other team that cannot do it, says House Nelson. I've got some thoughts on that. Mainly, teams that are not the Eagles can do it. You know, and a success rate of over 80% is being able to do it. Like, there's no other way to say it but they're not as dominant as the Eagles. So that is important to say right now. I don't think that they should take it away unless it's like for health reasonings, uh, honestly. Uh, there has been some concern that, you know, and, and centers have talked about it. That's why we're discussing it. But like centers have gone like, hey, that's a whole lot of pounds on my back and I don't want to do it. And that is fair in my opinion. But... I'll say this, man. You cannot ban it because the Eagles are too good with it. You just can't. Uh, and I don't know how different the rates for the other teams are as opposed to a regular quarterback sneak. So I'm not going to say that, you know, because I do agree, like, if every other team was doing it at a 99% rate, uh, maybe you would have to take it away. But no other team is doing it like the Eagles. They're being success successful with it, but not as much as the Eagles. And I don't know how different it is than a Cubisnik for other teams. So something to monitor for sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's get out of here with the one cool thing. I'm sorry about, you know, keeping the show relatively short. But for some personal reasons, I cannot stick around for the extra 10 minutes that we usually do. But let me know in the chat. What is your one cool thing of the week? For those of you who are new to the show, this is our feel-good segment where we say goodbye with our one cool thing of the week. It can be something personal, professional, sports-related, non-sports-related. 
whatever you want it to be. And it's tough to have it be a, you know, football-related one cool thing. But I've got exactly that for us on this one. And it's not that the Cowboys had their loss to the Eagles, because that's not cool at all. But my one cool thing of the week is Clemson upsetting Notre Dame and the Irishman. I'm a Clemson fan, and it's been a rough season, man. They were 4-4 and before this weekend. Davos Sweeney was getting embarrassed on a radio show. He was getting this super upsetting response. It was embarrassing, so it was nice to see them pull the upset against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And it was honestly not that close. Uh, Fighting Irish were kind of making a late push to have a comeback. But hey, I don't don't think that uh, it was ever in a situation where we were really fearing losing that game. So shout out Clemson. I know I'm going to get some hate in the chat. I'm already having some hate in the chat, but it's okay because we won. We're five and four now. I don't really care about the record because, you know, they're not getting where we wanted them to get. But having that college football upset is amazing. Mark Aaron says, my great niece is walking now. That's amazing, man. Uh, Katharina says, I got a $825 bonus from work. Ladies and gentlemen, Katharina is buying the first round. Let's go. Toxic says, one cool thing, Gallup got benched. Finally, been living off 2019 for far too long. Does seem like that is the case. Uh, Cowboys come out of the halftime. You know, they come out of halftime, and Gallup does not take the field at all in the first drive. It's Tolbert running with Cooks and Lamb. And then they kind of, you know, rotated some snaps. I do believe I agree with Toxic Tom in saying, man, it's Tolbert's era now in Dallas as a number three wide receiver. Let's see. Toxic says that my dad, my, my dad is a Notre Dame fan and he was so mad. That's what I like to hear, Toxic. I mean, sorry for about your dad, but hey, I'm not really sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get out of here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I appreciate you so much for taking the time to listen to Primetime. And I'll see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On The Man Sports Talk Network. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Nos vemos. Oh, I skipped one cool thing. I don't want to do that. Joey Bella says, turned in a 90K bit yesterday. Hope all goes great. Y'all stay blessed. Oh, whoa. All right, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, see you tomorrow night. Nos vemos. Bye-bye.